All right, guys, so we are getting into uh, week two of our study of the book of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And what I would encourage you to do is if you have your Bible app or if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah. It's not too far into the Old Testament. It's kind of somewhere in the middle-ish, right? Um, And so it's not a large book, but it has a lot, it packs a punch. It really does. And I love the book of Nehemiah. My pastor suggested that we go through the book of Nehemiah when I was up visiting in, in Oklahoma. I'm from Kyle, Texas. I'm from this area, Austin area. And, uh, but I worked in a church for five years in Oklahoma. And, and he suggested that we go through this as we're going through our building campaign. And I said, you know what, pastor, I think that you've heard from the Lord and we're gonna do it. So last week we kicked it off and we talked about the first thing that Nehemiah did before he decides to, to go back to Jerusalem to try to rebuild the wall around the holy city, what does he do? The first thing he did was he prayed. Somebody say prayed. He prayed before he made any moves. And actually, in fact, the Bible says that he prayed and fasted for three to four months before he even took his idea to the king. That's a long time. To pray for something for three or four months, that's a persevering kind of prayer, right? That's not just a Lord, would you do it for me? But that's a prayer that he actually really took some time to formulate a plan, to pray and to seek God into what he should do. And he prayed. And so the message is built by prayer. But today's message is built by faith, which if you'll remember just a few weeks ago, I did a message called by faith. And that's how we introduced the new building. Hey, by faith, we're going to take our next step as a church. Amen. And so built by faith is very, very important. So uh, Nehemiah 2 is all about him going to the king, talking about the plan that he has, asking for permission to go from Babylon to Jerusalem to try to help rebuild this wall. And then it ends kind of with him in uh, telling the people, finally, he formulates a plan, he looks at the wall and, and, and organizes a few things kind of in his head. And, and then he tells the people, hey, this is what the plan is. This is what we're gonna do. And I've actually been given permission to do this. And that's what the book of Nehemiah chapter two is all about. So I wanna get into this. If you have your Bibles open, would you say, hey, hey? Come on now. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start reading verse one, Nehemiah chapter two. In the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And then what he says right here is where I wanna stop. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? I wanna stop just for a moment on that second half of verse two and into verse three. Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, I just love his honesty here, right? I think that that is so cool. It's not very often where you see a biblical hero, a hero say, man, I was afraid. I was afraid. 
I just love that. I don't think you see that very often. And how many of you, uh, sometimes you feel like if you admit that you're afraid of something, you're afraid or worried or have anxiety about something, that it's kind of a sign of weakness, right? And you don't wanna ever admit that to somebody. And, and that's been a problem, I think, in our world for a very long time. And there's a lot more studies being done now and a lot more openness about mental health and all this. But, but he says right here, he said, hey, listen, man, I was afraid. I didn't wanna go talk to the king. I didn't want it because actually what would happen is if he approached him in the wrong way or maybe he would deny him, but actually the worst thing that could happen is if, if the king was really upset at his request, he could have actually had him killed. So he was afraid, but I love the honesty there. Um, and, and I think that's cool because how many times we try to pretend like we're not afraid of things. I know that you have been in a movie theater before watching some scary movie with your wife or with your girlfriend, guys, you know what I'm talking about? And you're sitting there and they have the jump scare and you're like, ah, and the popcorn goes flying and she's looking at you like, are you, are you scared? Were you afraid? You're like, no, nah, man, I, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid at all. Like, this is cool. Like, you're just like going like this, like eating the popcorn, you know? And you're lying. You're, you're actually scared, man. Come on, like, just be honest with yourself. You were afraid. And Nehemiah is being honest right now. Here's the deal. Some of us are crippled by fear. Some of us are crippled by anxiety and worry and fear in our lives. And your entire life is actually dictated by the fears that you have. And I think to be completely honest, if COVID taught us anything, it revealed a lot about our natural human instinct to fear. It's a natural human instinct to fear. And, and, and really on a world stage, we saw what it was like for the entire world, right? To have fear well up inside of us. And we had to deal with that as believers, as non-believers, church people, non-church people, all of us were looking through that and trying to work through our own feelings of worry, anxiety, and fear. What does that look like? But there's a healthy level of caution, I think, and normal human development for children, right? Like you don't want your kid just running into the street, okay? And having like no sense of danger whatsoever. That's not a good thing. There's a normal, healthy level of development of fear and caution that comes with, it, with children. It's a good thing. But I'm talking about a different kind of fear. I'm talking about a fear that controls you, that keeps you up at night, that you're dreaming things and you're having nightmares because you can't stop thinking about this stuff. That is the kind of fear that I'm talking about, the kind of fear that stops you from living the life that God wants for you to live. Fear is such an issue in our life and in our world that God felt it pretty necessary to make it the most repeated command in the entire Bible. Did you know that? The most repeated command is fear not or do not be afraid and other variations of that are repeated over 100 times throughout the Bible. Did you know that? And I think that's great. I think that's a great thing that the Bible talks a lot about not being afraid. But what am I supposed to do when I'm already afraid? I think that's the natural next question, amen? Like, like it says, don't be afraid. Well, it's too late, okay? I already am afraid. So now what do I do? I have no idea what to do next. And so, You've heard that faith is the opposite of fear, right? If you've been in church for any period of time, you might've heard this. Faith is the opposite of fear. And it preaches really well, okay? Like you could preach that and get a lot of amens. Oh, faith is the opposite of fear. We need to have faith in the house of God, right? And you could preach that really well, get a lot of amens, and a lot of hand claps and all that stuff. Like, amen, pastor, okay, that's great. Here's the deal. Let's, let's think of it a different way. Sickness is the opposite of health, correct? So if I said, I'm sick, and then you said, well, don't be sick. I mean, all right, cool, thanks. Appreciate that. 
Like, great advice. Thank you so much for your help, right? That doesn't make any sense. When you say, I'm afraid, and then I say, well, don't be afraid. All right, cool, thanks. Like, it's too late. I'm already afraid. I'm already sick. It's not very helpful advice. So what do you do when you're already afraid? We look, Nehemiah says, hey, I was afraid. And yet we see in Psalm 56, three, it's a very simple verse. David writes, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, amen? When I am afraid, when I have fear that is within me, when I don't know the next step, when I don't know what to do, when I'm afraid, I will trust in God. It seems so simple and it's because it is. It really is. When you have fear within you, you have to make a conscious effort and a conscious choice to say, you know what? I have this fear. I'm recognizing this within me right now. And I also have to recognize God's ability to handle every fear that I have, amen? What is the antidote for fear? Trust. When you are sick, what do you do? You get medicine and then you get better over time. When you're afraid, you trust God and then you get faith over time as he proves himself over and over and over and over again. And he is faithful to you, even in the midst of your fears. Here's the deal, guys. Faith is not always the absence of fear, but trusting God in the midst of it. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna be afraid. You're gonna have times when you have fear within you. Fear is not from God, right? And Nehemiah knows this. And I love that, that he admits this. It's not a godly thing to be afraid and to walk around in fear all the time. But he's saying, you know what? Even though I'm afraid, I'm gonna trust in God. Faith is looking at your fears in the face and saying, my God is greater. Come on, anybody can celebrate knowing that your God is greater than your fears in this house today. Come on, let's give God some praise in the house of God. Your life has to be built by faith, not built by fear. Nehemiah was honest about his fears. And how did he overcome them? It was through trusting God and obeying him. Listen, God conquers your fears. You don't have to. A lot of times we walk around and we're so afraid of things and we try to think our way through how we're gonna work through this. When in reality, if you would just take it to God, it is so, so much better because God is able to handle every single fear that you have, every anxiety, every worry. And yet we walk around with this stuff and it's heavy, y'all. It's heavy to carry around fear and worry and anxiety and depression, all this stuff. You know how that feels if you deal with that on a regular basis. It's heavy. And so we have to make a conscious effort to say, God, I'm feeling this right now. I'm, I'm, I'm having some trouble here with this, but God, I trust you. I'm gonna obey you anyway. I'm gonna take the next step of faith. I'm gonna take a next step in my life. Whatever that looks like, I'm gonna go towards you because God, I know that you can handle it. I'm just gonna take this off of my shoulders and put it onto yours because the Bible says that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and you're gonna be able to carry every single burden that I have. So God, thank you that you're leading me and you're guiding me by your Holy Spirit every step of the way. Thank you that I don't have to have a fear over me because Lord, your word says, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Listen, do you pray prayers like that? When you're feeling afraid, is that the kind of prayer that you're praying? It doesn't have to be those words. You don't have to like know all the scriptures and spit it out perfectly or whatever. But you just have to be honest, like Nehemiah. I was afraid, but I said to the king. That's my favorite part. He says, I was afraid, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I was afraid, but I spoke. I was afraid, but I took a step. Listen, God conquers your fears. You don't have to. All you have to do is take that next step toward God, amen? The next uh, point, if I had a point for you, I would say 
the book of Nehemiah chapter two, it really illustrates the fact that you should not tell everybody your dreams. Don't tell everybody your dreams. We've been talking a lot about dreams and passions and the things that God has within us and taking a step by faith. What does that look like in our lives? And that could be many different things for many different people. But don't tell everybody. Just don't do it. And let me tell you why. Nehemiah 2.12, it says this. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. I had not told anyone. Somebody say anyone. Nobody. What God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Be careful who you share your God-given dreams with. And here is why. When you broadcast your dreams especially the ones that God has given you, like the impossible kind of dreams, like the planting a church in 2020 kind of dreams. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you broadcast your dreams to the world, you are now inviting the world's criticism of those dreams. And many times it will crush your faith. Because other people, it's not their dream. They don't have the faith for your dream. You have the faith for your dream. Why? Because God told you about it. He didn't tell them, he told you. So when you invite the world into the process, here's what happens. It starts to crush your faith because some people ask questions and they start prying and they start doing all this, that, and the other. And it starts to crush that faith and bring your faith down. When you privately discuss your dreams with a few godly people though, you're inviting godly direction into those dreams and it's going to build your faith, amen? I've had to learn this the hard way, y'all. I am a dreamer, okay? Like through and through, 100%, I am a dreamer. I have big ideas. I am the visionary that wants to push things forward. That's just who I am. It's not that I'm better or worse than anybody else. We all have different personalities and traits and things like that. But that is me, it's who God made me. And sometimes I've shared my ideas and visions for the future with the wrong people and also sometimes with too many people. You know what it's done to me? It has crushed my faith for some of those dreams. And I've had to learn over time that there is a process for revealing your dreams and speaking about the things that God has told you. Because listen, if you just start, the second that God tells you something and you just go spout it off to everybody in the world, now you're inviting them into the process. Here's the deal. I usually will start when God tells me something and he speaks to me quite often, okay, which is amazing. I tell it to Lindsay usually first. And a lot of times I'll talk to my parents first. I'll kind of run it by them. I'll say, hey, listen, guys, this is what I'm feeling like the Lord is doing within me right now. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. And then who do I go to next? I go to my pastoral overseers. So I have people that I consider my pastors and overseers for me that I look to for advice, right? Every pastor needs a pastor, amen? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm exempt from needing pastoral help or advice or anything like that. So uh, I go to my pastor and I say, hey, Pastor Kevin, what do you think about this? And then I'll take it to one to two really close friends that are godly people. And I say, what do you guys think? And then I take it to a slightly larger group. By that time, the plan's been formulated. And then once the plan is in place and I know it's from God and I've had godly counsel and wisdom for the dream that God has given me, then I introduce it and take it to the world. And I think that's a great process to follow. This is exactly what Nehemiah does. With this building project that we're in right now, it would not have been a great idea the second that I had the meeting with the realtor about the warehouse to be like, church, we're getting a building, right? (laughs) That would not have been a great idea because the plan was not in place. We had no plan. 
I had not sought godly counsel at that point. Like the second that God says, hey, I, uh, Trevor, I think this is what I want you to do. And, and I want you to go for this. And this is something that would be good for you and for your church. And I'm feeling this within me. And I'm like, Lord, is this from you? If I just immediately said that to everybody, now what am I doing? I'm inviting people into the process and the plan stops to look like God's plan. And it starts to look like what other people want the plan to look like. Does that make sense? It stops becoming what God told me to do and it becomes what other people think that I should be doing. And you can't do that in your own dreams and the own desires and the things that God has put in your heart. Listen, if you bring in the wrong people, you bring in too many people, you bring them in too early, what you're doing is you're stopping your own faith from being built and hearing from your father directly. And now a lot of times what we do is we rely on other people to try to confirm things that God has already told you. And I have nothing problem with seeking out godly counsel to confirm things, but listen, you have to do it in a right process. And Nehemiah understood this. And we're gonna, I'm gonna show you right now, Nehemiah 2, 13 through 16. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Yes, you read that correctly, dung gate. Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials didn't know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priest or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. He says he goes out by night to examine the walls, examine the damage. He formulates a plan. All of that was done in secret, all of it. He eventually, he knows that he's gonna tell the others because they're the ones that are actually gonna have to do the work. But yet he doesn't tell them immediately. This is how I felt for weeks, y'all, wanting to tell y'all about what's going on. For weeks, I wanted to tell y'all, man, we have this building in the works. I can't wait. We're gonna need a lot of help. We had a demo day. We're gonna have demo days and this, that, and the other. We're gonna paint together. We're gonna stain the floors together. It's gonna be great. I wanna tell all of you, but I didn't do that because it wasn't the right time yet. We formulated the plan with just a few until I told everybody, listen, you're the ones that are giving so generously, I know, and y'all are the ones that are helping to make this thing happen. You're volunteering to demo, paint, construct, and eventually when the building is done, you're gonna be serving in kids, like in rad kids, and you're gonna be volunteering to greet people at the doors and the worship team and production, all of our wonderful teams that we have, but it all has to be done in the right timing. Here's the deal. For you personally, I want you to listen up. Maybe God has given you a dream in your heart. And now this is for you. It's been a lot about the church in general, but I just wanna focus in on you for a moment. Maybe you have been given a God-given dream that has been crushed because you shared it with somebody that you shouldn't have. Maybe you brought in people too early into the process and it started to diminish your faith for what you felt like God wanted you to do. Maybe you never sought godly and wise counsel as the book of Proverbs and Psalms tells us to do. And maybe if you did that today and if you revisited that dream, your faith would be built up. If you talk to the right people, if you get back on your knees and in the prayer closet and you start talking to God again, you say, you know what, God, I felt like you told me to do this in my life, but, but I've put it off for a long time because somebody said it wasn't a good idea. Somebody said I was too young. 
Somebody said it wasn't the right time. And, and you know, uh, maybe you feel like you're young. The Bible says don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Listen, I was 28 when I planted this church. God told me to do it. So was I gonna listen to anybody else? No. If somebody had an opinion about me planting the church at 28 years old, listen, you could take that up with God because he told me to do it. I'm gonna listen to my father, amen? You shouldn't plant a church in 2020. You're crazy. That's never gonna work. Listen, we're here. It's 2022, knocking on 2023, we're about to have a building. So who was right? You know what I'm saying? I had a bunch of people in, and I mean, you know, I'm not even gonna name names because there's a few people that are real close to me actually. They were like, you sure you wanna name it radical? Seems a little radical, right? <laughs> it was a politicized word, especially in 2020. We planted right before the election. You gotta think about this. We're in the middle of COVID right before the election. We planted a church, everybody's wearing masks. The name is Radical Church. And then I did a four-part series on God and politics. That weeded them out real fast. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's just, that's what we did. And listen, I, I felt the Lord tell me to do that. And, and I wasn't gonna listen to anybody else except for those few people, man, that I knew had confirmed the word in my heart and that were seeking God with me in this matter long before anybody else had an opinion about it, amen? Listen, if God has given you a dream in your heart, I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be to start a business, could be to start a family, could be to take a new job, to switch careers, to move across the country. I mean, like, I, I don't know what it is for you. It could be all kinds of different things. I want you to revisit that dream. And I want you to do it the right way this time. I want you to go back to Nehemiah 1 and look how he started. He started with prayer and fasting. I want you to pray. I want you to fast about this dream that God has given you. I want you to then go to godly and wise counsel and start to formulate a plan with those few people that you know that you can trust. It will confirm that word within your hearts that will help guide you and lead you into truth, right? That aren't gonna just try to knock down what God is telling you, but are gonna try to build you up and build your faith with you. Revisit that dream. Verse 17, it says, then I said to them, now he finally tells everybody, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. So come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand, my God, uh, the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began the good work. This wall, in Jerusalem was built by faith because of the faith of one man who stood up to the king in the midst of his great fear. This wall was built by the faith of one man who left his home to go to Jerusalem by faith that it was God's plan. He stood up by faith in front of all Jerusalem and shared his plan with them. And then by faith, the people responded and they said, let us start rebuilding. Let us start this good work. Listen, what would have happened if Nehemiah got in front of the king and was so captured by his fear that it relegated him to silence? What would have happened? What would have happened when, it, when it, and you're in that part of the story where it says, and I was afraid and so I did nothing. <laughs> Do you think we'd have a whole book with his name on it? No, absolutely not. You know what we would have is the name of somebody else because God would have chosen somebody else to do the good work that he had planned. Listen, do not be the person that God passes over because you were too afraid to step out in boldness when God tells you to do something, amen? You think that God wouldn't have used somebody else if Moses said, no, nah, I can't do it, sorry, Lord, 
not gonna go to Egypt, don't really feel like it. I actually set a pretty good life for myself. I don't know if you've seen, but I actually got a really good life over here. And I don't really think I'm the guy. Moses, we talked about it just a few weeks ago. He was arguing with God. That never goes well, okay? Arguing with the Lord saying, I'm not the right guy. I, I shouldn't be the one. And it says in the Bible that the, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. Cause he's like, you think I don't know that you're not qualified? I'm gonna, Moses, just go already. You know, like what would have happened if Moses would have told the Lord, no. You think, you think the Jewish people, the Israelites would have just been enslaved by Egypt for the rest of eternity? No, of course not. God would have picked somebody else. And God help me if God has to pass over me and pick somebody else to do the job that he told me to do. Mm -mm. God help this church if God has to use another church to do something he told us to do. Amen? You know, every church and every body has specific things that the Lord wants. And not every church is gonna look the same. We're gonna have different things that the Lord puts in our hearts, maybe in my heart or maybe in your heart. And just kind of naturally, sometimes uh, we, we start supporting certain missionaries. Not everybody can support every missionary, right? We support different missionaries in Mexico and Guatemala and Serbia and other places. And, and they're not getting supported by all the other churches in the world. Listen, God has called us to do that. But you think that those missionaries wouldn't be supported if we, no, he would just ask somebody else to do it. But listen, I want to go with what God says. My ideas are gonna be fine. But at the end of the day, God ideas are always going to be better. So listen, the Bible says, do not be afraid over a hundred times. So let's do that. It's so simple. The Bible says, do not be afraid. So I'm not gonna be afraid. The Bible says you've not been given a spirit of fear, that you are more than conquerors, right? That no weapon against you shall prosper. Like, y'all want me to keep going? Like, I got all kinds of verse. If God is on your side, who can be against you? If God tells you to do something, there is no way that it is not gonna happen. Do not fear is awful advice, though, when it's just given by itself. Think about it. When I, when I talked up earlier, like, if you're sick, well, don't be sick. Okay, cool. Like, really appreciate that. Great advice. Don't be afraid. I am afraid. So what do I do? Listen, you got to trust in God. It's awful advice given by itself. But did you know that almost every time that do not fear is said in the Bible, it is always followed up with, for I am with you. For God will go before you. Almost every single time. You go look it up for yourself. You see, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for I am with you, amen? God is on your side. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Somebody say with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Psalm 23, four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, amen? Come on, will you stand up in this place today? God is with us. And I want you to be strong and courageous, just like Nehemiah was. In the face of fear, he stood up and said, you know what, I'm gonna do this anyway. Jesus followers, we are not meant to be weak and timid. You might feel weak and timid. Maybe you say, well, that's my personality. Listen, I don't care what kind of personality you have. When you have the God of the universe fighting for you and fighting with you, listen, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who he is, amen? 
like God is fighting alongside of you. Maybe you might feel weak and timid, but it doesn't matter because God's not weak or timid and God's working through you to get the good work that he told you to do done. Does that make sense? What kind of dream do you have within you that you have pushed off for too long? What kind of dream is within you that you've said, you know what? I, I don't have faith for this anymore. I can't do this. Come on, if I can have Sadie, go ahead and come on up. We're gonna pray for just a moment and then we're gonna take communion together. I want you to take just a moment. We did this a little bit last week. We prayed with our spouse and we said, you know what? I wanna, I wanna pray together with my family, with my spouse or with a friend that maybe is here with you and say, you know what? The dream that I had within me that I've pushed off for too long, God, I wanna have more faith for that. I wanna be built by faith, not be built by fear. So many of you maybe struggle with fear, anxiety, depression, worry, doubt, all of these different things. And I just wanna pray with you right now. So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna take a moment and I wanna invite you to respond to this. Maybe you're somebody that struggles with fear. And actually that's why I'm having you bow your heads right now because I know some of y'all struggle with this, okay? And you wouldn't raise your hand if everybody was looking at you, okay? So I'm trying to help you out a little bit. I'm giving you a little olive branch here, okay? If you struggle with fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, any of these things, maybe you have a dream in your heart that you don't have faith for anymore, you've pushed it off for too long. I want you to just raise your hand at me, okay? Wow, wow, oh my goodness. Okay, keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Goodness gracious, okay, you can put your hands down. Wow, more than half the room just raised their hand. That is incredible, more than half of you. I honestly, I think that COVID, COVID has added so much fear into this world. And man, it's time that we learn how to deal with this fear in a godly way. We've been trying to deal with it for so long on our own. That's hard, y'all. I'm not saying that you can't have a healthy caution on certain things and health conscious problems. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying in general, we are dealing with unprecedented fear in our world right now. And I think God just wants to get rid of that right here, right now, amen? So if that's you and you're dealing with fear in this place today and you know that that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with some boldness and some courage. Maybe you have a dream that's within you and you don't have faith for it anymore. I want you to pray and think about that dream that God has given you. I want you to pray it loud. I want you to pray out loud, every single one of you, as we pray this together. Have some boldness, have some faith that God's gonna reignite that dream within you. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to. You don't have to be afraid of that family member that abused you. There's somebody here that that's what you're dealing with. I just felt the Lord tell me that. There's somebody here, maybe multiple people that are afraid of, of somebody in their family. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what that was, but the Lord's saying, release that fear. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Listen, you have courage. You have some boldness. Give that to me. Give that fear to me. Give those anxieties and that past, whatever happened to you, give that to me right now, the Lord's saying. There's some of you that have been wanting to change careers for a while and you've just never done it because you've just been so afraid. 
but you feel like it's from the Lord and you feel like this is something you really should be doing, but you have just been crippled by fear and you're just, you're, it's an honest fear, right? Because you're trying to provide for your family, maybe for your spouse or whatever that is. And, but it just, it's crippling you and, and you're unhappy and you know that you should be stepping out in faith, but you just don't know the next step. Listen, have some boldness today. Come on, guys. God has not given you a spirit of fear, power and love and a sound mind. He's given you a sound mind to make good decisions. When the Lord has given you something and he's told you something, listen, he's going to get you through it. He's not gonna leave you hanging dry. There's other things for sure, but I want you to all pray this with me right now. Say, Father God, give me boldness. Build my faith. Help me to not be afraid. Help me to step out in faith for that thing in my life that you've called me to do. God, would you get me to it? Would you get me through it? Would you remind me that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind? Thank you that you are with me that even when I'm afraid, I can trust in you because you are faithful and because you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can you give God praise in the house of the Lord? I don't know what you've been dealing with in your life. You might have all kinds of anxieties and worries. And I'm just being totally honest. I can see many of you are or even physically just crying because you're emotional right now because you're like, this is me. And I wanna invite you in this moment as well with one more time, if you wouldn't mind, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wanna give you opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If that's you in this place, I, the best decision you could ever make in your life is to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to following God and take that step toward him. You might be afraid because you don't even know what that looks like. Some of you are not following God because you just don't, you're afraid that you don't understand everything. You're afraid that you're not gonna be able to stop that sin in your life. Listen, it's not you anymore. It's Christ in you that does it. You don't have to be afraid. God's gonna help you. He's gonna teach you. He's gonna mold you. I'm telling you, God will change your life if you would just let him. If you would take that step of faith right now. So if anybody's in this place, you say, you know what? I'm believing right now that Jesus died on the cross for me, for my sins, that I could have a new life. And you wanna say yes to him. Maybe you wanna rededicate your life to him. You've known God before, but you stepped away from him in your life and you know that you're not following him. You know that you're not right with God right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up at me and look up at me? If that's you, I see you right here. I see you right here. I see you, I see you. I see you in the back. I see you over here, sir. I see you right over there. Is there anybody else? Come on, you can put your hand down once I, once I see you. Come on, is there anybody else who would say, hey, I wanna follow God? Come on, that's about seven or eight people that are following Jesus. This is amazing, come on. Would you put your hands together right now? I wanna pray over each and every one of you. That's making that decision to follow God. Listen, you don't have to pray any specific prayer. You just have to believe, that's it, that's it. 
and Jesus will make his residence within you, you're gonna feel the Holy Spirit start to change who you are in such a positive way. I'm telling you, he's gonna mold you and shape you. The things that you struggle with in the past, you're gonna start to realize that you don't even wanna do that stuff anymore. Like you wanna go to church more and you wanna like hang out in a small group or go to youth group or something like that. Like you're just gonna start to see those things happen in your life. I can't even really explain it other than it's just the power of God. So let me pray over you one more time. And uh, then we'll quickly take communion before we leave today because I wanna make sure that we get to that. So Father God, I thank you for every person in here that's making a decision to follow you today. God, I thank you that you're with us, that you are uh, making us new, that you take our sin and you throw it away as far as the East is from the West and you make us white as snow. God, we're a new creation. The Bible says we're not even the same person anymore. And so God, I thank you that as we take a step of faith towards you, some people are taking their very first step towards you, God. And that is just so incredible, Lord, that there's people in our church almost every Sunday that are taking that first step towards you. And God, what a step of faith that is. And there's some of us that have been in this thing for like 40 years now. And they're taking another step of faith. Maybe they've been stuck for a long time and they're finally taking another step of faith towards you, God. I thank you, Father, for every person who's taken that step towards you today. That's what it's all about, Lord, is it's a relationship with you. You just want us to take another step towards you, another step into the life that you have for us. So I thank you for these seven or eight people that are saying yes to you for the first time. We give you thanks, God. We give you praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Oh, man, can you all give God praise one more time for that? That's amazing. The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when somebody gives their lives to Jesus. So, hey, would you mind taking your, your communion cup today? Thank you. Last month, we didn't get to do communion, but we tried to do it in the first Sunday of the month. We wanna always remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, amen? Because if we're not remembering what he did for us on the cross, then why are we even here, y'all? Jesus said, this is my body. What does the body of Jesus represent? Listen, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was whipped, he had a crown of thorns put on his head, he was mocked, he was spit on, made fun of. Every kind of bodily injury that you could take, pretty much Jesus had most of them, right? And it says actually he was almost unrecognizable when he was up on the cross. That's how much that they beat and bruised and bloodied Jesus. And I, I, always, I always get graphic with this. And I'm just gonna be totally honest. The reason is, is because we need to know what Jesus did for us. It wasn't just an easy thing that he did to take on the sins of the world. So his body was put on a cross and he gave that for you and for me. It was put in a tomb, but yet it was raised on the third day. So that's why we remember. Jesus said, take this in remembrance of me. What I want you to do is just take a few moments by yourself, about 10, 15 seconds, and just thank Jesus for his body that was given for you and for me. And then in your own time, go ahead and take the bread. Thank you, Jesus.
If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and open the cup. This represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for the sins of all of mankind. It's hard, honestly, it's really hard not to get emotional every single time I take communion. I feel like when you really understand and when you really believe in Jesus and you let yourself go there, like take yourself to that moment when Jesus is on the cross And then he looks out at these guys that are beating him, that are literally killing him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Would you be able to do that? Man, I don't know. But Jesus did. A man who had never done anything wrong, was fully God, fully man, gave his life for you and for me. For every sin you've ever committed, every sin you will commit in the future, he's already paid for it. That's the good news of the gospel, amen? So take about 10, 15 seconds, then take the cup in your own time. Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross. But Lord, our religion and our relationship with you means absolutely nothing if it ended there. But God, we're thankful that on the third day, your son Jesus rose again from the dead. And so Jesus, we praise you. God, we honor you. Jesus, we lift up your name because there is no other name under heaven by which men may be saved. And so Jesus, we call on your name, the powerful name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the name above every name. The name that by which we're healed, the name by which that you are saved the name by which you can call on when you're going through a hard time, when you're afraid, when you got things going on in your life. Listen, if you will call on the name of Jesus in this place and you call on the name of Jesus when you're driving down the road and you're crying because you can't stop thinking about your relationship problems, when you're thinking about the issues you're having with your kids, when you're thinking about the fear that you have, the anxiety you have welling up within you. Listen, you just need to start speaking the name of Jesus over your life. Come on now. Jesus has paid for all of our sin, all of our worry, all of our sin. And so God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, that whoever would call in his name would be saved. Your word says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And God, we believe that here in this place today. We remember your son and it's in your holy name we say, amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's give God praise as we leave today. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. God bless you guys.